Welcome in to another edition of Inside Carolina's On The Beat Live, sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt and johnnytshirt.com. Straight out the gate for folks. I'm trying out a new headset with a new microphone, so please let us know in the chat that everything sounds good because we are very concerned and very interested in having the audio and visual effect, even though I can't do much about the visual effect, um, it, making sure it sounds good for everybody. Adam Smith, Jeremiah Holloway, John Bowman, another edition, another week uh, Adam, I'll do as I always do. I'll come to you straight out the gate. Is there ever a week of North Carolina football that's just like relaxed? Uh, you know, it's game week. We're going. We're going to ease into the next game. It just doesn't seem like that's happening much in Chapel Hill. It's been a little exhausting, TA. Um, felt like the preseason was pretty dang long. And yeah, I mean, you're right. It's well. It's entertaining. Well, maybe not entertaining. It's it's not dull. How about that? Entertaining is the wrong word. But I mean, think about think about today's Tuesday, right? Think about Monday. We're over there uh, talking to Mac and Chip Lindsay and Gene Chizik, and we got Jeremiah and the intern Evan skating off to go to the freaking board of trustees meeting. You know, when I'm sure they would rather be uh, talking football than trying to stake out. Uh, you know, whatever is going over on over there. Shout out to Jeremiah. Uh, I mean, we talked about it. Totally willing to go do it. You know, you you have no idea what you're walking into over there. Obviously, you don't know. You know, you this job, you you have a good idea what you're going to see when you go to a football game or a press conference or a practice. He doesn't know what the heck he's getting into over at the South Building. So, uh, shout out Jeremiah, my guy. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. <laughs> Up for anything. Um. But yeah, Tommy. No, it's um. Well, I mean, I don't know if they're. I don't know if we finally reached resolution in the Tez Walker saga or not. Um, but yeah, it's it's um, it's been eventful. Jeremiah, uh, how was that trip across campus to the <laughs> South Building? I mean, it. The only time I ever had to go over there, I felt like I was going to the principal's office uh, back when I was in school there, but. Just overall, just sort of walk our listeners and viewers through it because it's not it's not every day that you have an emergency meeting of the board of trustees yeah. concerning one player. Yeah, no, I mean we we found out about the meeting. It was the night before, probably like you know eight thirty p.m. the night before. Uh, so like Adam was saying, man, right after Mac Brown went, this is probably around eleven forty-five. Uh, we went from the Keenan Football Lobby up to the uh, South Building. A little bit of color, I guess, for y'all, Mac Brown takes the golf cart up there or whatever. Uh, you know, uh, that, that, that golf cart has a bunch of seats now. Y'all didn't catch a ride or anything? Nah, man. I actually, when I when I walked in there, I saw him. I was like, hey, man, we should have caught a ride from you. And he was like, yeah, you should have. I would have given you a ride. <laughs> nah, but uh, I just want to think about it at the time, I guess. But, uh, you know, got my steps in. Anyway, uh, so we get there, um, you know, and so Mac Brown walks in and uh, Bubba Cunningham was in attendance as well. Kevin Guskowitz, um, two of the board, two of the board of trustees members were there, and there were a few others um, in attendance as well. And then the remainder of the board members were zoomed in. Uh, so you had 
a table. And I don't know if, if anybody saw the uh, story I did. I was able to kind of take a little picture of just to get a look. But you had that table. There were a few people off to the side as well. And then you had the screen with the people that that had zoomed in. Uh, and so three minutes in, they go into closed session. So me and Evan and, you know, the other media that were there had to, you know, go outside, pretty much wait in the lobby of the uh, the South building. Um, you know, the, ske- the meeting was scheduled to be an hour. It went a little bit over 90 minutes. Uh, so, you know, whatever deliberations they had there, um, you know, not too much that we were able to kind of say publicly to the media that were attending. But, you know, we're still doing our best right now to, you know, kind of figure out, you know, what, uh, you know, kind of the options are. Mac Brown actually alluded. This is the thing that's interesting. Mac Brown in his press conference uh, was using Tez Walker's name, was saying that the meeting was about Tez, finding, uh, you know, the best options for Tez. Um, but when we were talking to Kevin Guskowitz and the uh, trustees that were there, uh, they, I guess, bylaws or whatever, they're not allowed to say his name or something, but uh, they were basically just talking about, you know, finding the best options for their student athletes, things like that. So not, you know, specifically mentioning that the meeting was about, uh, you know, says Walker. So, but the stuff that we got from Mac, I thought was, you know, it gave a little bit of insight as to what they were trying to figure out, you know, does he want to work out with, you know, in front of NFL scouts right now, uh, you know, is he going to leave school or whatever, you know, so he was kind of just throwing some stuff out there. So now the next step is kind of figuring out what some of those options are that they're really considering for him as well. Adam, uh, to your point earlier, I, I don't know if this is completely done or, or whatever. It sounds like that there's not a ton left to do for North Carolina specifically, but one thing I found interesting today, and somebody's already alluded it to in the chat, is that the NCAA said last week, we do not com- comment on specific cases. And then they commented on a specific case. And I thought they came out hot on Mac Brown's comment specifically. I don't think I've ever seen that. And, of course, that's not from the head of the NCAA, of course, because he's been a little bit silent. But your take on that statement issued today. Well, I mean, we're in a we're in sort of a public relations war of words here, I guess you would say. Um, you know, I mean, Mac and UNC and Bubba. I mean, what what this all runs together? What was it? It was a week ago, I guess, when we were trying to await the final Tez yeah. final final appeal hearing from the NCAA for Tez, and that was when Mac had the all caps <laughs> "Shame on you, NCAA!" exclamation point. On Thursday, yeah. Not even a whole week. <laughs> right. Okay. So what, five days ago? Yeah, five days, I guess. Yeah. yeah. It feels like long. Right. So and what and Tommy to to what you're going on here. I mean, what the NCAA said today that they had a statement that said we we're aware of possible violent and criminal threats uh directed toward um their reps. You know, I mean you know, those the like for instance, the committee that heard Tez's final appeal, you know, you can find all those people's names and where they work and what their jobs are. You know, the, the chair of that particular committee was from James Madison. Um, so, you know, in this age, in this Internet age, I'm sure people have been tracked down. Um, and, you know, and, let's, and let's say it right now. I mean, the beauty of social media is that you can reach out and touch anybody across the world. The, the, the ugliness of social media is that crap like this happens. Uh, I mean, those folks have jobs to do. They did their job, whatever. Anybody threatening anybody. And 
you know, it's, that's what they said happened. Um, I have no doubt that they've received a lot of ugliness, but the bottom line is folks be better. If you're out there doing that type thing, be better. Um, hold accountable and all that stuff, but threats and all that. Yeah. We're not vibing with that. And sorry to cut you off, Adam, but I just want to make people understand that none of that is good for anybody. Um, and when people resort to that, it just swords, you know, the downfall and the lack of decency at times in society. Now, no, I think it's well said, T.A. Thank you for uh, for doing that. But and, you know, I think the NCAA also I'm paraphrasing a lot here. I think they also uh, decided to point out, you know, in very uh, legally speak, hey, this is the stuff that you guys agreed on. Uh, that's you know, that's kind of what the NCAA always likes to do in these matters, by the way. You know, UNC, you are an NCA member institution. All the schools agreed to these uh, guidelines and rules. So I think that was another thing that the NCA was sort of wagging their finger at, at Carolina about was, you know, this is stuff that you voted on that you agreed on. Um, so I just – I don't know where UNC goes from that board of trustees meeting. Uh, I mean, Jeremiah reported on it. You know, we have heard – uh, you know, we've tried to do a lot of digging on this. We've heard some people, some sources have said that that was just for show, that that Carolina didn't, knows they don't have another avenue and that that was public posturing. I don't know that to be true. I'm saying that's what some people are saying uh, that we talked to. But um, it's a whole big mess. And, Mac, I think if you read uh, Evan's story from – uh, Mac Brown live, you know, Mac said, uh, on his radio show last night that I don't think he'll play this year. Um, you know, he, he qualified that by also saying, I'm not a legal expert. I don't know the law. Um, so who knows something could pop up tomorrow that they could possibly pursue. But you know, I think you have sort of the reality setting in just from the football side of things. Uh, when, when Mac said that last night, you know, I think that was sort of an acknowledgement of where this thing is after what feel like a million twists and turns. And I guess it's only been since, you know, the last couple of months here in the summer, but it feels like it's been quite a, quite an ordeal. I do have a, one quick question about Max statement last week. This is on the beat live. So we talk, you know, behind the scenes inside baseball a little bit. Do you three think that Mac Brown typed out that message himself and he did all caps shame on you typing that himself or did he tell Jeremy or one of his people make this last part all caps because I really want to drive that point home shame on you NCA I thought that was funny that uh that he ended it off with an all caps message there well you know that Mac I mean we all know this anytime you've ever seen Mac talk in front of a microphone he has paper mm-hmm. sometimes multiple he has a pen mm-hmm. And he has been taking notes. I mean, he's got the whole thing listed out, the points he wants to hit. So I don't doubt that he might have taken out a pen and paper uh, <laughs> when, when the word came down. You know, he said, he said, you know, as Jeremiah's written, he said that him and Lon- Lonnie Galloway had to tell Ted's. It wasn't like an NCA representative said, you know, here's our ruling to you, uh, Mr. Walker. It was Mac and Lonnie uh, letting him know. Yeah, and, that, and that's – you know, a bad situation, a crazy situation all around. Um, yeah, I still think it's a wrong decision. Um, I, I agree with everything Mac Brown said on the subject. 
I do find it interesting how the NCAA has, you know, if if somebody's struggling, you don't take away what they love the most and say, oh, you'll be all right. And, and that's what I got from some of the NCAA statements, some of the same NCAA words that they used in the Florida State situation that Jason Staples was so upset about, um, you know, that they got. But anyway, they – it is what it is. Adam and Jeremiah and Evan, everybody at Inside Carolina is all over. Any news comes out of it. Any new news, of course, you know, I see he's got you covered every every step of the way. Um, anything left on that, Jeremiah? Anything you want to add there? Uh, yeah, you, just go ahead. Sorry. No, I was going to say you were a college student a lot uh, more recent than Adam and I were. Right, right. And, yeah. and, sure. and being in, in – and, being in a college student and dealing with everything that comes part of that and then all the negative, um, and all, it's just been a messed up situation for Tez. North Carolina will certainly look, look after him, but just close it out for us in this regard before we move on to Minnesota. Yeah, I mean, uh, one thing I do want to kind of throw in there also, um, uh, in case anybody didn't see the, the story or anything like that, uh, no official or whatever kind of decision has been made as far as next steps necessarily so i know some people you know kind of speculate you know is Tez gonna sue from his camp are they gonna just play him anyway um no official decision like has been made by unc and then from what i've been able to gather so far uh no official decisions been made from Tez's camp just based on what i've understood so far um but you know i think one thing to kind of throw out there I mean, just as I understand it, I know a lot of people are saying, you know, play him anyway, play him anyway. I mean, if you want to lose the nine, ten wins you get this year, then I guess so. But, I mean, it's just and, – and, again, I, you know, personally, when I look at the situation, um, there is a lot of it that's kind of mind-boggling. Some of it's contradictory, things like that. Um, but as it stands right now, if he is ineligible, I just don't see how that's – there's a world where you can do that and there's no ramifications um, of any kind. But, I mean – I think it's been dragged out a lot, you know, just kind of, you know, the fact that UNC kind of put in as many appeals as they did and, you know, got them, uh, got Ted's in front of a video conference just for them to deny him again. You know, you just, you know, you look at that stuff, and you're like, you know, what, what is this all about? So, um, you know, there's some, it's a saga we're going to continue to kind of track and keep up with and, and just see what the follow. I was actually real quick, just before I close it out, I was actually talking to somebody the other day and it's like, this is such an anomaly of a situation because this next coming off season, this probably isn't going to come up because this new rule is in place. And it's, yeah. since it is so new, it hasn't really happened in the past. So, you know, it's just a real, just one in a million, you know, situation. And it's uh it's very unique for sure. Yeah. They called a couple guys, they called a couple of guys and uh, yeah, you think there's, you know, if, if you make a great point, it probably won't this time around this cycle. Yep, you got you got a and Tez Walker's one of the guys caught in the net of the the fix that they um desperately tried to finagle there at the end NCAA certainly. Um not earning any fans, but again, folks, relax. Don't send any nasty grams and threats and all and all that stuff. Just avoid that kind of stuff. It, it's okay to be upset without doing that. Um we, Breaking news, uh, if you're an Inside Carolina Premium subscriber watching this, the breaking news, there's football commitment. 
uh, that just went down. Just got the text, the Inside Carolina text, so I can say that it works. Edge rusher Camden Laudenschlager commits to the Tar Heels. If you uh, keep up with North Carolina football recruiting, Don Callahan and I will certainly be talking about that tomorrow at noon on the Noon Dish. Um, another edge rusher. Man, I remember the day when there was no such thing as an edge rusher. It was just – you just played. I don't remember Robert Quinn ever being called an edge rusher, um, and he was certainly one of the best off the edge. Anyway, Adam, uh, somewhere I want to go here before we get too far afield is this notion that Drake and Chip Lindsey or, or Chip Lindsey is ruining, quote-unquote, ruining Drake's Heisman – uh, race. I've seen it a lot on social media. I've seen it some on the message boards. Drake was asked about it. Lindsay was asked about it. Mac was asked about it. I thought it was interesting that all three had the same response. Uh, just win games. Adam, your your take on this that has come up repeatedly in the last couple of weeks. It's. I mean, it's uh, it's an interesting situation. Um, you know, I think that I was going to make a joke and I didn't want to rile up uh, our guy Jeremy Sharp, who's usually watching, I was going to say, "Well, Chip blames Drake," <laughs> and the reason I was going to, which is a joke, the reason I was going to say that was Chip. You know, when we were talking to Chip on Monday, he mentioned, which I'm very glad he did because we were able to ask Drake about it today. Tommy, you and I are jonesing to ask the same question. Um, our uh, older ears got excited about that when Chip said it, but Chip had said that what in the App State game that that Drake. Uh, they counted, this is what Chip said, eight times that, that Drake checked out of a pass play into a run play, you know, pre-snap before the ball was snapped. Um, so I thought that was super interesting. And, of course, we were, yeah, we were sort of uh, eager to ask Drake about that. Uh, and, you know, he said he hadn't, like, totally counted it up. Um, but he was saying, you know, when you're getting the looks that you're getting, it does makes all the sense in the world to run the ball. What UNC had 319 yards rushing, I think. And obviously, Omarion Hampton went crazy. Um, Nugget, uh, this is slightly off topic, but I'll get back up to what you asked me. I was reading some stuff before we came on, and the guys with the top two, the top two rushers from week two in college football will be playing each other this week. Omarion Hampton had the most yards last week of anybody, and a guy named, I wrote it down, Darius Taylor of Minnesota went for 193 uh, on Eastern Michigan, which Somehow he got 33 carries against Eastern Michigan and one yeah. the week before in the opener against Nebraska. BJ Fleck, what you doing, guy? No, I'm just uh, <laughs> not want to tell him how to row his boat. But um, yeah, it, it, back to Drake. Yeah, I think this is. I think this is. You know, I think you're torn if you're a UNC fan because I think that an improved running game and less of a massive load on Drake's shoulders is better long-term in terms of your, your probably your one loss record, you know, uh, where you are in November, you know, Drake's not exhausted. Um, but it was so super cool to see those numbers that Drake put up the first eight or nine games of last year. I've written about it some in, in the game scoops after, after the games. If you take the first eight games of last year, and since then, I think it's eight games since then, so it would be an even split because what they played 14 games last year, right? Yeah, so it would be the first eight and the next eight. It, in terms of the numbers, it is a drastic drop-off. Uh, there has been only one game in the last eight 
the first two this season and the last six of last year where Drake has passed for over 295 yards. Now, I know 295 yards are a lot, but what he was doing before that was, you know, astronomical. And that one game was when he went absolutely berserk at Wake to win the Coastal Division title. I think he threw for like 446 that night. They had, you know, five touchdowns. It was ridiculous. Um, but I think this is – well, this is at least where they are after two weeks. You know, I don't think you're going to see – 350 passing yards from Drake. Well, you might if, you know, they don't have some of the drops that they've had. They've had a couple instances where they've just missed a couple shots down the field that they could have contributed to these numbers. But the reason we talk about the numbers so much is that's what it's about in the Heisman race. You have all these people who vote on that thing, and they're like us. They're watching one game a week. They're not watching Johnny Manziel at Texas A&M or, you know, Tim Tebow at Florida. They're watching – the team that they cover, and then they go back and they look, and they're like, oh, this guy, this Drake May dude's going crazy, you know? Oh, this uh, this dude at Alabama or Ohio State's going nuts. Um, you know, Reggie Bush, this guy must be pretty good at Southern Cal. <laughs> but, uh, and that's what it comes down to a lot in the Heisman race. And, you know, when you got to halftime last week and Drake had thrown for 43 yards, you know, that's pretty dang crazy. I had never thought you would see that. Um, but they played well enough to win the game. And obviously Omarion Hampton had a, had a field day, but you know, if, if he goes out and throws for 380 this week against Minnesota, I will gladly say I'm wrong. I was wrong, but I just think that the way this thing has been set up now with what they're wanting to do, what they're doing, the way that they're playing, the games are shorter. You know, I, Jeremiah got some good questions in on that today. They're shorter with this running clock. Um, I don't know if you're going to see, the stuff that turned Drake from a redshirt freshman making his first starts into this sudden star. I think he's a fantastic player. He's probably going to be still a great draft pick, but I don't know if the numbers are going to be there, especially when you're lacking some at wide out. I think he's becoming a better quarterback. And that was some of the, the, the reason I asked the question, you had a great follow and all is he is, he is being allowed to do more things that they have to do on the next level. You know, there's a reason that, you know, Tommy Chang from Hawaii, who threw for a billion yards in high school, didn't do anything in the pros. There you go. Because, and there's, you can go down the list um, of teams that sling it all over the place, have massive yards, massive touchdowns, and do nothing. And Carolina and Mac Brown talked about wanting to be more balanced. And granted, two games is a small sample size, but right now Carolina is averaging 243 rushing and 238 passing. That's pretty daggone balanced. Jeremiah, you're all over the clock deal. I think that has something to do with it as well, especially when you're having success running the ball, the clock just goes and goes and goes. Yeah, certainly. Well, a lot of the – I think a lot of the offensive strategy um, – now, I'm not saying they stay up all night thinking about, oh, you know, the clock's going to be moving, how many plays are we going to get? Not necessarily like that, but I think when you do realize – you know, hey, every time we get a first down, that clock's going to keep moving. If we can control the run game, uh, you know, the time of possession we control, you know, we limit their possessions, things of that nature. Um, I think a lot of when, you know, when we're asking the questions in the post game about the passing game, how the numbers are lower, when people on the boards or wherever, you know, are saying, you know, Drake's numbers aren't what they usually are, it's really – just a result of we're just so used to seeing, especially the first three fourths, first half, whatever of last year. We're just so we're just so used to seeing, you know, 
the the crazy numbers. Uh, he hasn't hit 300 yards passing this year. He averaged 308 last year. That doesn't necessarily mean he's playing bad. You had 108. You had 103 yards from British Brooks week one. You had 234 from Amari Hampton. Like they were saying, you know, if it's working, we're gonna, we're going to keep going to it. Um, so you know, there's it's not a it's not an issue necessarily. We're just looking at it and saying we're just so used to doing this. Now, this is the thing that I think. Um, a lot of the questions are are rooted in. You're going to eventually play a team that's going to look to exclusively, not exclusively, but, you know, they're going to look to stop that run. Like they're going to look to, you know, limit you from getting the gains that you've been getting, especially with the success that they've had. When that happens, people want to know, hey, we can still go over the top. And they've shown that they can at times. J.J. Jones had the 57-yard catch last week. Uh, the pace for one, it was like the slot little fade he got, you know. So so there have been opportunities. They've shown it. We know what Drake May's talent is. We don't know what he's saying. Drake May has fallen off. But I think people just, since they're so used to seeing the passing attack being so da- uh, dangerous, that's why they're asking him whenever they do get to a situation where the running backs aren't getting 100-plus yards, they're going to need to be able to go over the top. They're going to have to be able to trust that some of these receivers are going to be able to do that. And so but I, I think right now, your goal is to win games. I think if UNC fans could pick between a Drake May Heisman and the ACC title, I don't know anybody that would take a Drake May Heisman over ACC title. I, re- I really don't. So um, I just think that's kind of where they're at with it offensively. I, and I, I know one person that wouldn't, and that's Drake May. He wants Let's to win a, a championship. We should do an IC yeah. poll. Yeah. <laughs> Heisman or <laughs> ACC title? <laughs> I, uh, I, you know, 100% would, would, bet that everybody in that football center would like that ACC title over a Heisman. Now, granted, you win the ACC title and the Heisman might be somewhere behind it, but uh, Drake May is becoming a better quarterback now, I think. At least that's what it looks like to me. Um, I had a stat. I forgot it. I was going to get it in here before John, but John, jump in here with me and bail me out um, because I do not have the password to get into the website that I was trying to find the stat. (laughs) Hey, we all, we've all been there, Tommy. Now the sausage is made. Right? <laughs> I think when you look at some of the NFL draft Twitter experts, I think they have been impressed to the fact that Drake May has played within a structure this season and he still flashed all the skills that made him such a hot draft prospect last year. You can sort of contrast that to what Caleb Williams is doing, for example, at USC, where he has all these highlight plays, but it's a little bit less of a structure. And when an NFL team is looking at that, they're seeing sort of the difference between those two quarterbacks and what Drake May is doing, playing within an offense, hitting his uh, first and second reads and and showing off all that arm talent. I think he's not putting himself in a bad spot. Uh, I also have a stat here because I think in addition to the Drake May Heisman talk that's come up so far this season, I think there's also been a Drake May throwing the deep ball conversation. So maybe, Tommy, this is the stat you had as well. But I looked into the pro football focus data for the amount of deep passes that Drake may attempted this season and last season. And keep in mind, of course, two games. It's a small sample size thus far this season. So we'll have to keep an eye on this as the year goes along. But this season on deep throws, which are defined as 20 yards or or more, 14.5% of Drake's attempts have come on those types of throws. Last season, it was 16.5, so slightly more last season. The big difference is the medium throws, 10 to 19 yards. Last year, Drake May had 24% of his attempts in that range. This year, it's down to 11%. 
And just to finish it off here, short throws, he's at 48% this season, whereas last year he was at 39%. So it's a little bit of a different distribution through two games. Obviously, there's a whole season left to play. This could change. Uh, He's still a very highly graded quarterback on those deep throws. He has four big-time throws of plus uh, 20 yards. So he's still very effective at those deep shots. He maybe just hasn't taken as many in two games so far this season. And, you know, there are, like we were saying, there are a few moments where the ball to Kamari Morales early in the App State game, the throw, the deep throw to Pesor against South Carolina. I mean, the numbers could be a lot better if obviously they hit those. Some of the, they were there. Some of those were there. And just what I was going to add real quick was Jeremiah had me thinking when he mentioned that whatever slot corner that, that Pesor run ran, uh, to score against South Carolina. I'm going back to the checking at the line of scrimmage. Drake told mm-hmm. us today, I was so glad that we asked him, one of those plays that he checked out of a run and into a pass was the the touchdown pass to Kobe Pesor against South Carolina where Pesor just what you remember, he just burned the dude yeah, for the Gamecocks. I mean, I don't know what that dude was doing, but it just, you know, it was pretty nasty. It was an easy pitch and catch. The route he ran and the ball Drake, Drake threw. So it's kind of a cool thing to see that, they had a run call there, and he checks it to a pass. Drake said, you know, it's different. It sounds like the freedom that he has and maybe the responsibilities that he have has are different now under Chip Lindsey than they were with Longo. I think he was saying that, you know, you had to call with Longo, and then if that wasn't there, you already had the backup or the plan B. And it sounds like he has a lot more freedom in this offense or however they're, they're delegating it to do more, maybe deviate more. Um, so it's something to watch. And as Tommy was talking about Drake becoming a more polished passer, I think that's what you see at the NFL level all the time. I mean, how many times in the world was Peyton Man- Manning hollering Omaha and checking to something? Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like that's what you have to be able to do at the next level. Yeah, without question, that is a big part of it. Let's talk about Johnny T-shirt. JohnnyT-shirt.com. We are exactly 30 minutes in right now. So Johnny T-shirt is your go-to if you're Inside Carolina Premium subscriber. I think today was double discount days. Um, so I don't know if that's still available, but get in. If it is, you got a little bit of time before midnight. Pay 10% off your order if you're a premium subscriber. Certainly the place to go to get all your Carolina gear. Get some Drake May swag if, if they have it. Get anything North Carolina-related, sports-related, support all the schools, support different schools, uh, journalism, business, all that kind of stuff. They've got everything you need at Johnny T-Shirt on Franklin Street or online at johnnytshirt.com. National guys will pay the bills. It's on the beat live with the crew. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, uh, I think, and, and we're back with On The Beat Live, Adam Smith, Jeremiah Holloway, and John Bowman. I am Tommy Ashley. I think we've sort of picked the the Drake aspect Heisman. Somebody in the chat, and I put it up on the board, said the Heisman's more realistic than the national championship. We're talking about ACC championship, and 
Name the last quarterback to win the Heisman that Watton in the national championship race. Lamar Jackson, I believe, right? Yeah, my boy. <laughs> uh, Lamar Jackson went nuts. So do you want video game numbers um, in, in eight and five? Or um, do you want to see Drake become a better quarterback for his future, but also for the team winning games? I, I get it. There's two sides of everything. Um, but when you when you look at it, winning is the most important thing. Lindsey said the number one thing is wins. Max said the number one thing is wins. And Drake today said the number one thing is wins. Adam, I'll start with you again after the break. I think today was interesting. Um, got out there and talked to the players. Of course, uh, Des Evans, first of all, is a large human being. And he has become not only a very confident large human being, He's starting to play up to what everybody expected. Adam, just speak to what you heard from him today. He, he's no nonsense, and he's actually getting it done on the field now. I, I just great from a, my own personal standpoint. I greatly enjoyed listening to Des Evans talk today. You know, I just he is he has come a long way. Um, you know, he's it, just in terms of of talking to the guy. I mean, I, I think he is playing great. I mean, Mac has said that. He's played the best two games of his life to start the season this year, but it's um, it's cool. Uh, I would encourage <laughs> our loyal audience to go over to uh, to the to our YouTube channel and, and queue up the Des Evans interview. It's um, he's a he has been a man of few words. Be interested to see if Omarion Hampton can you know follow the Des Evans path because uh, years ago you know. You ask Des a question, he would answer it, but there probably wouldn't be many words attached to it. And um, he is sort of coming out of his shell. It's it's cool to talk to him. And um, you know the the play the play on the field is 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 I'm happy for him personally. I, I don't. You probably should I admit that as someone covering the team. I mean, you're supposed to be unbiased, but um, it's nice. This is a guy who uh, a lot has been expected of him. Um, with the the way he was rated coming out of high school, I mean, you know, everybody expected him to be the next Jadavian Clowney, and he hasn't been, and he's caught a lot of grief for that. And you're right, if you see Des Evans in person, you immediately feel small. I mean, he is just so large. I mean, I feel like he could play a play power forward too um, <laughs> in basketball. It's just such a physical specimen, um, and. The, the production hasn't been there. Um, he's played a lot of snaps, played a lot of snaps last year before he got hurt. And the numbers, like a lot of other defensive linemen um, for UNC last year, that they, they weren't there. But, you know, he got a sack against against South Carolina. And I, I think he tied his career high against App State with six tackles, which that's a lot of tackles for a defensive lineman. A um, couple quarterback hurries, a tackle for loss. I think he broke up a pass or two. Um, so – I, th- I just think it's a rewarding thing for him. I hope he can keep playing like that. And you, you're seeing a guy who has struggled um, sort of come into his own. And he was hurt in the preseason, too. I think he missed seven a week or ten days uh, with a hamstring injury. And, you know, that sort of put the season opener in a little bit of question for him. Jeremiah, your thoughts on his comments about, and I think Adam asked, and I can't remember all the different questions, but sort of, you know, you came in here really hyped, hyped up, and you hadn't really done it. You know, your attitude, I asked about his confidence and all that stuff. He, he referenced the tattoo that he has about his play. Uh, I mean, just he's matured so much since his Lee County days, um, <laughs> for, for real. And uh, 
You know, Jeremiah, your take on what he had to say today about that, about the growth aspect of not only as a football player, but as a person for him. Well, he's a veteran now, you know, like he's, he's somebody that is experienced on this team. He's somebody that is now, uh, you know, he's, he's just been around a long time. He's somebody that when Marcus Allen was describing him, he's a real football guy. So it sounds like a real student of the game going into the meeting rooms of all these other position groups. I thought that was very interesting. One thing that stood out, um, you know, to me when he was talking about that, he was saying that he was trying to establish a new standard. Like, how often do you just hear guys just by themselves, you know, I want to establish a new standard. I want to change the culture. You know what I mean? Like, that's something that he came in and was, and you know, saying that he's trying to do. So I think when you look at, you know, just the, the evolution of his game on the field, that's showing right now. Um, but I think something like, you know, what Adam was talking about, just the even something like the thoroughness of, you know, his answers, um, you know, you could just tell like, you know, it's, it's high IQ stuff like, you know, like he's, you know, he's he's really explaining the game to like he's really breaking down the game to us, uh, you know, when he's talking. And, and I think that internal confidence that, you know, he was even asked about, uh, I think he was, you know, pretty clear on that. Like, it's just I think it's a very meaningful season to him just taking all the lessons from. A, the lessons from his first couple of years and then last year being injured, being away from the game. When we talked to him in the fall uh, in training camp, it just sounded like he had a renewed kind of appreciation for it. Um, and, and it's something that he really was relishing in or was looking forward to really relishing in. So I think his play on the field is reflected in that. And then just talking to him today, I mean, you know, he's, it sounds like somebody that, you know, he's 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 a lot more uh, – I don't want to say I'm not going to say he's a lot more confident because he was confident before. But he, I think he's just just being that that veteran presence. You know, I think he's grown into that role, probably grown into that role among the team and then on the field as well. I'm glad Des Evans is getting some love on this show because we have jokingly uh, been been tough on him in the past and he deserves all the praise. What's the saying? The praise should be as loud as the disrespect whatever that saying is i feel like we we deserve to give him plenty of of love here i want to give a shout out to two more players i think that are really playing well just two games into the season and what i like about both these guys is they're both very young so we have tayon holloway redshirt freshman marcus allen who i believe is a true sophomore i mean that has to make you really excited about the the future of unc football as well that you have two cornerbacks uh, that are just playing so, like, just solidly, I'd say, for the first two games of the season. It hasn't been perfect. There's been a few jump balls in both games, sort of uh, crazy plays. That one against South Carolina where Rattler just kind of threw it up um, on the left side of the field and, and his wide receiver caught it. And then against App State on Saturday, there was one jump ball. The App State receiver kind of just snagged it out of the air. There's some weird plays like that. But otherwise, I think both of those two guys have been really solid in pass defense and tackling, too. I think their mentality when they're making tackles on the field has really stood out to me. Um, so that's kind of a, a good segue into a question I wanted to ask you all in terms of what have we truly learned about this team so far this season? We have two data points. Uh, you know, We have the South Carolina game where the defense looked amazing. We have the App State game where they didn't get any sacks. I think one data point that we have that we can you know, kind of plant a flag in is that UNC has improved at cornerback from this season to last. Um, so I'll go to you, Adam, next. Uh, 
where do you think after two games you can solidly say this is somewhere where UNC has improved? Or maybe what's an area where you are still, the jury's out, you still need some more uh, data to, to make a determination there? Well, uh, you asked me first, so you know I'm going to be selfish here and take a le- what I feel like is a layup. I don't know if it's a Drake May left-handed layup <laughs> like the roll across the mm-hmm. – I had to do it. I mean, I had I asked him today, how, how are you with the left hand? Of course, Drake will answer any question when we asked him, are you good with the left hand? He's like, well, I can't dunk with my left hand. Um, he can ball, though. Yeah, a little bit of a flex there, right? I can't dunk <laughs> with my left. Jeez, uh, Drake, sorry to hear that one. 6'6 um, six, six and can't dunk with your left? Come on, man. No, he's but, not uh, <laughs> But <laughs> – I would say, John, sorry to uh, deviate there, uh, but I do feel like it's a little bit of a layup. I would say the defensive line. Um, I understand that, 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 that UNC went from nine sacks to zero sacks in the course of a week. I still think they're like – hit NCAA.com. I still think they're like fifth in the country in sacks. Um, I know they did not get Joey Aguilar, the, the App State quarterback, to the ground with a sack. They hit the dude like eight or nine times. I think they had nine hurries. They got some hits on him. The one, you know, Cedric Gray was all in his face on the, the pick that Don Chapman had. I think Rucker was in there. Uh, I think Rucker was in there on the very final play, the fourth down play that that was the incompletion. I'm pretty sure if I'm remembering that correctly. Um, you know, and they didn't get any sacks, but they did. They did get some pressure back there um, last week. But I just think that that's. I would think that's the area that that has seen some growth at least through two weeks. I feel like they're deep. One of the guys in the chat, uh, if you can pull it up, was asking about Miles Murphy. Yeah, I mean, he's – he's there it is, Scott Holland, our guy Scott Holland, um, you know, showing love from Greensboro. Uh, no, he's fine. I mean, he's he has played. He has – Miles has played and started the first two games. You know, they, they really have a rotation going on in there where, you know, you have Miles Murphy and K.J. Hester, Kevin Hester Jr., there on the, the at the tackle spots, the three tech and the nose guard, and then they bring in you know Tamari Fox, um, you know they get Javari Ritzy in there inside, and you got Des Evans on the outside and Rucker and Amari Gaynor can come in for Rucker and Bo Atkinson and Jacoby Cowan can come in for for Des Evans. I mean I think they're deep there and I think they're they're right now Rucker played a lot of snaps the other day against App. But I think right now they're able to keep – I think Gene Chizik mentioned that. They're, they've been able to keep guys fresh by sort of not limiting, but, you know, managing um, their snaps there. So, I, I, I'll i take the defensive line, and you have to give me a harder question sometime. <laughs> I, I'd, I'd probably push back a little bit on the interior defensive line. Okay. Um, I, I don't think they did a whole lot against App. Now, that, that's one of those positions where – you don't really notice, and they don't get a lot of credit. So, you know, I, I'd probably defer to Jason Staples on his film breakdowns on that. But somebody mentioned tackling. I think physicality at corner has been significantly better than it was at any point in the last two years. Um, and I'm not going to get into the personnel there, but it's pretty clear that this group of guys – I'm a more physical on the edge, and I think that matters because if you've got a corner that can tackle in space like Huzzy did, I think, on the third down play. Yeah. Um, there on the left. I mean, that's You're something right. we just – There were yeah, some lifts the last yeah, years. We did not see that at all in the last couple of years, especially last year. I mean, I haven't seen any business decisions being made <laughs> on, on the corners 
this year, and, and that's a good thing for North Carolina. Jeremiah, your take on John's question. Yeah. Um, John, was it position group or just area, just area you can, group? You can take it any way you want. Yeah. Free, uh, you got a freebie. Yeah, I, I think there's just better – I think there's less pressure offensively on Drake May and what he has to do. Uh reason I bring that up is because – this is particularly true in the first game with the nine guys that caught passes, and then obviously British did what he did. Um, we talked already about Drake May not having to, or Drake May not having high statistical games, but I think a lot of that is just the way that Chip, Chip Lindsey has kind of been calling these games. He hasn't been uh, putting the ball in harm's way necessarily. Um, UNC hasn't had too many turnovers. I guess they really just had the two against South Carolina. Um, but I think there's just there's less pressure right now on Drake to be able to do what he does. Now, this is where I will say uh, is something to pay attention to moving forward. Um, Amarian Hampton had the game of games on Saturday. Um, obviously, against South Carolina, the yards per carry weren't there. He had the two touchdowns, but it was about 2.3 yards per carry. Otherwise, and he had a good amount of carries in that game, too. So they've talked a lot about they feel like they have some depth and some options at running back because we haven't talked too much about Elijah Green, who was yardage-wise the leading rusher at running back last year. Uh, and we obviously know that he has game two, but they've been resorting obviously a lot more to Hampton and to Brooks. Elijah Hood scored a touchdown too. So I think the thing to keep in mind with there is um, can you have those guys consistently? Can you put in two or three guys a game that can get you like, I don't know, four yards of carry. Now you're obviously not going to, everybody's not getting 25 touches a game at running back, but can you have guys that you can kind of switch them out um, when you need to, they don't seem to be doing it by committee too much. Um, British Brooks got the lion's share of carries, you know, in, against South Carolina and obviously Hampton got the lion's share on Saturday. Uh, but I think overall, just the way that Chip Lindsay has been getting guys involved. Um, I know he was a little bit limited with Copenhaver last week because he's playing with that big club <laughs> on his uh, on his hand. It's funny. We were watching Copenhaver, man. He was um, warming up, catching some passes. He had a brace on that. Uh, I believe it was the, the right uh, hand. So he had a brace, catching passes a little bit, and they roll him out in uniform. He's got the club on. So, you know, uh, that'll be something to keep keep in mind down the line. But um, I think now, I think they're still figuring out a little bit that offensive identity. Again, can they work the middle of the field a little bit more? Um, the deep shots, I mean, I'm glad John brought up the percentages. I didn't think it was even that close. I thought it was, you know, I didn't realize it was that close as far as just how slight that drop-off was. Uh, I think a lot of it is because so much of it's been so short and there hasn't really been a lot in the middle. So it just feels like they yep. just never go deep. But I would say the um, just the ability to get different guys involved and the, and the ability to kind of control the game, control the possessions, control the clock a little bit more, I think is something I think is improved. Yeah, I totally agree there. I want to turn our attention to Minnesota for the last 10 minutes of the show here. And also anyone listening, get some questions in. We can answer those uh, here in the last 10 minutes. Minnesota is a game that I've had circled on the calendar for a while just because of how little attention it's gotten all offseason. Even this week, feels like we haven't been talking collectively yeah. that much about Minnesota. I want to make sure I get this stat in here. Minnesota, you can make an argument for this, is the best defense UNC will play all season, which is kind of crazy to say, but the numbers back that up. They are sixth in defensive S&P Plus, that's Bill Connolly's stat from ESPN. Uh, for reference, I'll throw a few others out here. Syracuse currently is 27th. Miami is 22nd. Clemson uh, is in the 30s, I believe. Um, so Minnesota ranked 6th 
it's a, a kind of an interesting game. I wouldn't quite qualify it as a, as a trap game, but it's definitely going to be a challenge uh, for, for UNC. Um, so I'll go to Adam first again on this one. Um, when you were listening to the press conferences yesterday and today, what stood out to you in terms of how the team's uh, mindset is going into to Minnesota or how they just talked about uh, this game? Well, John, first of all, great stats. Uh, I would say that Minnesota has not played the uh, Kurt Warner's St. Louis Rams. Um, Torrey Holt and Isaac Bruce and Marshall Falk are not running around for who have they played Nebraska and Eastern Michigan. Um, so, you know, they've, they've played two games, but yeah, the numbers are good. I think what uh, they, Minnesota's only given up one touchdown on defense. They gave up a touchdown in Nebraska Eastern Michigan kicked two field goals to not get in the end zone. Mac uh, underlined it on Monday that uh, uh, Eastern Michigan did not get a first down in the second half of the game against Minnesota this past week. You know, he's like, I don't know if I've ever seen that in football, you know, that, that another team didn't get a get a first down. Um, I, I don't know how good Eastern Michigan is. We can ask our guy, Ross Martin. He's up there. I don't know if he's in Ips Ypsilanti or wherever it is, but. Uh, we can check him out. Um, but, uh, well, to your question, John, uh, what was your question? It was, what was, what did you ask me? What stood out about uh, the Minnesota talk in the press conferences the last two days? Well, I was elbowing the heck out of Jeremiah. He's probably like, get off of me, old man. But <laughs> I, I, I have been around long enough to know that I, I could have predicted this. This, this. this train was right on time. That coming into this week, that Mac Brown – uh, the great communicator himself was going to say, what a great opportunity for this team to be able to take in the ACC play a win against an SEC team. And if we're able to beat Minnesota, a win against a big 10 team, I, I knew he was going to say, we played the SEC. Now we've played the big 10. Alabama, now, and, Alabama and Ohio state, right? Right. I, that's what I've been joking. They're not playing Georgia or Ohio state. They played South Carolina. Now they're going to play Minnesota. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be a physical challenge. I, I did, Mac, Mac has made it a point to talk about how huge Minnesota is up front. They obviously ran the ball a ton um, on Eastern Michigan last week. So I think it's going to be, you know, I think you got Minnesota here and you got Pitt next week. Both of those teams I would think would be pretty physical. Pitt is usually quite physical at the line of scrimmage. So, you know, I think it's going to be about the, the, the players, the guys have gotten the memo. Like you heard Drake talking about big 10 smash mouth football today you heard des evans you know getting questions about you know the blood and guts big 10 so i think that i think it's going to be a physical challenge and um i think it could be another one of these shorter games if these teams get to running the ball here um so i think i think it's going to be about you know playing tough i mean i don't think and i'm not trying to put the hex on them i don't think minnesota's coming in here with the greatest show on turf um but we'll see I think what's interesting with Minnesota, and we always talk about time of possession being an overrated stat or whatever, but Nebraska had three possessions, Drake talked about, in the first half against Minnesota. I mean, that puts pressure on your offense to be efficient. And I think that's where North Carolina's got to be solid. You can't lose turnovers against a team like Minnesota. Um, Slagle just hit it. You know, I think we're on the same page. You don't want to play from behind against Minnesota. Right. But, the, but the bottom line is for North Carolina is efficiency on offense and get off the field on third down. Yeah. I mean, App State had a 19-play drive that, if my memory serves, should have been a four or three and out. Mm 
um, you know, and, and then a flip the field type drive, but for a, a penalty. And you had a couple uh, penalties for first downs, not just that face mask by Hester there. So you got to get off the field on third down and you got to be efficient on offense. I think North Carolina's up to the challenge physically, at least especially on the defensive side for reasons I've mentioned before. Um, but Minnesota's going to want to run the ball. And they're content being in a low-grinding game, low-scoring, grinding game. And that's what I've always wondered about North Carolina. And granted, Lindsey's a different animal than Phil Longo was. But can North Carolina win the low-scoring, in-the-teens type game and be comfortable doing that? Or do they start to press? Um, you know, when you've got 14 points late in the fourth quarter, do you start pressing on offense, trying to do too much? That'll that's what these three games have been fascinating for me to see, and after the Minnesota game, we'll know more, is how North Carolina has adapted to the different styles of play. Um, I don't think South Carolina's very good, but I thought Rattler was pretty good, even though he's getting his tail beat. I thought the App State quarterback was pretty efficient. I thought their running back was pretty good, even though the App State quarterback was getting hit and hurried. How North Carolina deals with Minnesota just wanting to go three and four yards and five yards at a time without getting the, you know, getting the jumpiness and then making a mistake. I don't know. I think it'll be an interesting game. I think it will make people realize that North Carolina, if they ever move conferences, needs to go south and not to the Big Ten. Um, but it should be a fun day. And, Lord, it's going to be a beautiful day in Keenan Stadium. That's for sure. I mean, the weather couldn't be perf- couldn't be better. Certainly, North Carolina will probably play Minnesota up there next year, and it'll be some weird cold weather in September. But Saturday, no excuses on Saturday for weather-wise down there. John, what do you think happens? I, I think uh, we could refer back to your preseason predictions on this one, couldn't we? Oh, boy. Someone brought it up in the uh, the <laughs> chat. Here goes producer John trying to save his preseason <laughs> predictions. <laughs> He's got I, uh, it circled. John's got the game circled. I picked UNC to lose to Minnesota, and then I picked them to beat Pitt. If if that somehow gets flipped or something, I start off one and three in my predictions. I might be in the transfer portal myself. Uh, I might be, uh, you know, covering a different team. I might get run out of town here. No, I do think the call out about Minnesota as well as their offense is not very good. They do not have as an elite as an elite of an offense as some of the other teams that UNC will play. So there's the opportunity, but I'm excited to see what UNC's offense looks like against a very good defense. Um, So I'm going to have to hold with my prediction for for now. I'm not backing away after seeing two games so far, Um, but I do think it's going to be a a fun atmosphere um, in Keenan stadium this Saturday as well. I'll rapid fire through a few of these questions. I'll kind of pepper them uh, to you all. Uh, let's start off with this one. I like this one. Will the Hampton breakout put him ahead of British Brooks? Jeremiah, do you think that British Brooks will return as the starting running back, or do you think it will be Hampton, at least for uh, the Minnesota game? Yeah, uh, one thing that Mac was saying, I think this was on Monday. I don't think it was post-game, but he was saying that it was either post-game or it was Monday. I can't remember. But he was saying that every position on the team outside of quarterback is like always open for competition. So I think that – now, me personally – I think they go back to Brooks just because I know they were planning on doing that before the season started. I think he obviously played, you know, really well that that opening uh, game. He's your veteran. Um, so I think they actually do go ahead and stick with 
Brooks if he's able to go. But again, that all depends on your know, kind of what percentage he's on. Um, but I think, I mean, Hampton certainly shown that he's, you know, going to be in the mix, but I think they probably roll with Brooks, uh, you know, going out there. This question is for Tommy. It's a two-parter. Would UNC ever put Rucker and Gaynor in the game at the same time? Slash, why isn't Amari Gaynor getting more snaps? Tommy, what do you think of Gaynor's play so far this season? Gaynor is a pass rusher slash, I think he can play a little star and he can drop. I think they were in the game substantial amount. Well, I don't know about substantial, but it seemed like a lot against South Carolina when it was purely passing downs. Um, and they, you know, they had a meeting at the quarterback a couple of yeah. times, but uh, against App State, it was a different ball game. And one reason I'd like to see Gaynor get more snaps is because Rucker's getting so many already. Uh, I mean, he had what eighty against App. I think that's a lot on him. That's that's too many. But then you have the question: Is do we can we take our best defensive player off the field? You know, is, is Amari able to make that not be an issue? Um, so I think they play together when it's obvious passing downs, um, but they're just different type players, and, and Gaynor's got that ability to cover a slot or a big slot or a tight end a little bit better than than Rucker does. But definitely, I mean, that, North Carolina has two guys that can get to the quarterback off the edge in Gaynor and Rucker, and if, if they get on the field together, it, it's a, it's usually pretty good for North Carolina. Adam, I'll give you the last question here, and then you can run with it as well. What have you heard about Nate McCollum's status and, and what are you expecting from him on Saturday, Adam? I, well, I think this is – well, first of all, I would never want to disagree with Jeremiah. I love the guy. Uh, but I think I think Amari and Hampton is the starter. And I think that that's sort of how they were talking about it the other day. It sounds like, you know, they're trying to figure out how they work British Brooks back in there off this injury. Uh, and I think, he's, I think he's the starter for Saturday. Um, you know, what happens from there on out, we don't know. But I think you'll see him out there first. With Nate McCollum, I think personally that – I think this is the question right now for the UNC offense. I think that, you know, the Tez Walker – I was looking at the depth chart. Tez Walker's still on the depth chart, but I just think that mentally that is – that's just gone. So, um, I think this is this is where UNC is at. And if – what did McCollum play? Nine snaps, I think? Um no, yeah. Is it, was that a number? Um, you know, I think I think this is this we're gonna see. Uh, Mac and Chip Lindsay both said that um, they feel like McCullum should be full go. I think Drake was saying today that that Nate had told him, you know, he was feeling okay, he'd be fine to go. That I think Mac said that McCullum told him after the game he could have played longer. So I think they were being sort of careful with him, keeping him on a pitch count. Um, what can he do to sort of loosen up and juice up that passing game. I mean, does his – if you are able to put him in the slot, can you get Kobe Pesor out wide more? And maybe that can help you some. Um, I think he's the X factor right now because you, they're sort of established in that Pesor, J.J. Jones, and uh, Gavin Blackwell are their, their top three guys at wide out. Um, so I think that that's the one – I think that's the one to watch, how they're able to plug him in there and how they're able to use him. Um, I was also thinking earlier, and this is a change of the subject. How many of our loyal audience lost money <laughs> betting on UNC? I just I look at these lines before the games, and I mean, my God, they were a nineteen and a half point favorite over App. Um, 
And I think everyone's feeling pretty confident coming off that South Carolina game. I think they're uh, the seven and a half favorite against seven and a half point favorite against Minnesota. I was just wondering, is any did anybody put 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 their money down on the Tar Heels? And um, did they, you know, did they did it? Was it a bust for them? Ta, you're shaking your head. You couldn't do it. I, I've been around long enough to know that I I, I would never bet on Carolina football <laughs> to against the spread. Um, it's just either way, you know, when they're. When they're not favored, when they're favored, I'm just not doing it. It's it is a losing battle in my in my history there. It was a big number. Nineteen and a half was a really big number. In a rivalry games against App State in a game that yeah, I mean, people are just asking to take you. Just if you're gonna bet on a line like that in a game like that, just donate your money to a charity. (laughs) (laughs) Do something. John, anything left? I see a question we have not gotten to. Uh, is this the uh, the proverbial favorite question of uh, on the beat live, <laughs> Jeremiah? You're new to the team here. What a tell, tell the people the what your uh, cookout order is. Yeah, man, it's been a minute since I've been to cookout, man. I've I've stayed away from it a little bit, but honestly, uh, you know, I think my favorite combination. I like to go chicken quesadilla, then I like to go bacon wrap and onion rings. Got to get the cookout sauce. And I, I get the sweet tea to go along with it as well. So that's usually uh, – that's probably my favorite combination. But it's, it's been a while since, I, since I've been out there. It's <laughs> a good question. Bacon wraps. Bacon wraps are solid. I get yeah. I get a tray full of bacon wraps if they do it. <laughs> nah, I heard the stuff, white man. cheddar cheese bites. Have any of you had those? Mm, Not from there. That. Not from there, but I've had them just in general. Those are those are good stuff. Yeah. It's, it's basically a fried mozzarella stick cut up. Right. And right. Uh, yeah, let's stop talking about cookout and trying to avoid that. I've been on the Mac Brown diet, trying to lose weight. <laughs> if if, you if need Mac to lose weight, Tommy. It, yeah, the love handles, man. I see these commercials about muffin tops, and I'm like, I got to lose mine. I, I can't. Come on. I can't see myself in that. It has been another John Thorpe talking about Zaxby's. I. I started to pull in there on the way home today. Got um, a Zaxby's cup right here. Man, I love some Zaxby's. But anyway, uh, we're not going to talk about food. It's after. you got to stop eating at 8 o'clock on this diet. Um, and it is after 10. That means we are done on on the beat. Check out Noon Dish tomorrow, 12 o'clock noon with Don Callahan. Football commitment to talk about. Uh, Greg Barnes and I will be speaking to a Minnesota beat writer on next level it won't be uh live but we were yes news to me until i read my actually read my text shout out greg for getting that done we'll talk to him tomorrow and uh i guess tomorrow's zoom or tomorrow's availability adam is i think a certain defensive line coach that folks have been wanting to hear from for a long time it should be interesting and also spencer rollin may be available tomorrow kitchens last week by the way I mean, yeah. my gosh. I will give them credit, and they, they said they wanted to switch it up. Being able to get a position coach during the week is so good, other than hearing from Mac again. I mean, I love listening to Mac, love hearing from Mac, but to get a position coach, and Freddie Kitchen set the bar. So we'll see what we hear tomorrow as well. Stay tuned to Inside Carolina for all the great coverage from Adam, Jeremiah, Evan, John Bowman knocking it out, Don Callahan and I will talk tomorrow, just the entire Inside Carolina team. Everybody works together to give you the great product that is inside Carolina. Shout out to Johnny T-Shirt. Shout out to everybody that joined us. 
Later, folks.